Tonight I want to just uh, share something with you that hopefully will tie everything I've been saying this week together. Again, I'd like to stress that I have this teaching on You've Already Got It. It goes a lot further into this teaching than what I've done this week. What I've done this week, I started along those lines and then I've just kind of slowed down and I've just been trying to drive home the point. And so that would really supplement what I've been talking about. Also, tonight I'm going to be talking about, here's, here's the point. I've been saying that we're already blessed, that God has already given us everything, that His power is already on the inside of us. God, by grace, has already supplied it, and all faith does is reach out and appropriate what He's already provided. And so it's not up to God whether you get healed, delivered, set free. God has already provided it by grace. It's up to you whether you can reach out and receive it and appropriate it and rest in what God has said. That's what I've been saying. And yet a lot of people just struggle with this because they say, how can I believe that I'm already healed when I'm still in a wheelchair, when I've still got pain, when I still can't see, when I still can't hear? How can I believe that I'm already blessed and that God has taken care of my needs when, man, every day I'm sitting here struggling to get put food on my table or to do whatever and you're behind on your bills. And most people are just overwhelmed by what they see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And they can't believe that there's anything going on beyond what they can perceive with their senses. So what I want to do tonight is just try and describe to you that there is a spiritual world, there is a spiritual realm that God has released His power. And if you don't understand this, eventually you will sit there and and if you took the things that I said this week and started saying that I believe that I've got the same power as raised Jesus from the dead on the inside. But if you don't see it with your eyes, eventually you will by default Just start going with what you see and what you feel instead of what you believe is going on in the spiritual realm. So you've got to understand some things about the spiritual realm. And I'm going to try and explain that and show that all of the blessings of God, the grace of God, the power of God that I've been talking about is true in the spirit realm out here. But it's also true inside of us. Now, this is a foundational revelation that has just changed my life. And I've got an entire series entitled Spirit, Soul, and Body that deals with that. If you hadn't heard that, I believe everybody in the world ought to hear that. That is baby Christianity. This is Christianity 101. Every person ought to know spirit, soul, and body. That's the very first thing we teach in our school because it's a foundation of understanding everything else. I've also got another teaching that is go along with what I'm going to talk about tonight that's entitled uh, Faith Builders. And it expands on what I'm going to talk about. I've got probably 20 or 30 hours worth of teaching on what I'm going to talk about tonight. So um, I'm not going to keep you that long, praise God. I'm going to give you just a real quick overview of this. But I encourage you to listen because if you don't understand... You know, the scripture says in Matthew 13, 19, when it was the parable of the sower sowing the seed, and it says that this seed was sown into people's lives, but those that didn't understand, Satan came immediately and stole the word out of their heart. And I, this is again, going back to making disciples and being a teacher. The Lord has shown me that it doesn't matter how excited a person gets. It doesn't matter how fired up you get how motivated you are. You can be thrilled and excited, but if you don't understand, Satan comes and steals away the word. 
the only person that he had the ability to steal the word from them without any reservation was people that didn't understand. And again, this is what's happening in most of our churches. They're like cheer meet, cheerleading uh, sessions. They're, it's like a cheer, what do we call this? Pep rally. That's what I was trying to think of. Most churches are like a pep rally that they come and man, you get fired up and man, God loves me and it's God's will for me to prosper. And they say things that are true and they get you all excited and fired up. But how does it happen? I don't understand. What do I do? And if you don't have understanding, Satan steals the word from you and it's the word that produces the results. And so you've got to understand. I've been saying that God's already blessed us. God has placed the same power on the inside of us that raised Christ from the dead. And some of you think, well, you're excited. But if you don't understand some things, you're going to go home and you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to think this is power. I'm like Jesus. And you're going to see zits and wrinkles and (laughs) ugly. And you're going to think, you know what? I, I just don't understand this and... Satan will steal this truth from you and it won't produce. So I'm going to share some things tonight that hopefully if you will understand, if you will open up your heart and receive this, it'll help you to understand what I'm talking about and be able to retain it and walk in this. Let's turn over to 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want to use this illustration tonight to help make some of these points. 2 Kings chapter 6 is an instance where Elisha, the prophet of God had been in communion with God. And every time the Syrians would try and attack the Israelis, God would tell Elisha about him. So Elisha would go tell the king of Israel and the king of Israel would ambush the Syrians' ambush. So every time the Syrians tried to do something, it was like somebody was giving away their battle plans. And so here in 2 Kings chapter 6, it says in verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he says, somebody's a traitor. Somebody's giving away my battle plans. That's the only way the king of Israel could be doing what he's doing is somebody is informing him of all of my plans. And it says one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. Man, is that awesome or what? And you know, Elisha didn't even have the spirit the way you and I have the spirit. He only had it in measure. You've got the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in you bodily. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. We should be hearing the voice of God. It says over in John chapter 16, I believe it's verse 13, that when the Holy Spirit has come, He will show you things to come. And yet most Christians don't even know that that's available. Most Christians are just going through life kind of with blinders on. They're blind to things and it's just a matter of time till you trip over something, fall over a cliff before you have some problem. And after we make a mess of things, oh God, help me out of this mess. If we would draw on the power of the Holy Spirit, He'll show you things to come. Did you know the Lord spoke to Jamie in January of 2008 and says, man, you better pull your money. We don't have a lot of money, but we got an inheritance from her dad. And uh, she says, you better pull this money out of these risky stocks because the stock market is going to tank. God told her before it happened. Somebody said, I can't believe that. Well, then it won't work for you. 
But the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will tell you that there's, there's about to be a problem. I was scheduled on a flight one time that went to uh, Costa Rica and it landed in um, Mexico and then refueled and took off. And did you know what? The Lord told me not to go on that flight. And I didn't understand why I called the people up and I said, I'm not coming. And they said, why not? And I said, well, I just don't want to go. <laughs> and they said, we've already advertised. We've got people coming and they, they start. And you know what? They got mad at me and they've never invited me back. But I just lost my peace about going. God laid it on my heart not to go. And did you know that that plane crashed and killed 169 people on board that I had already bought a ticket on? Holy Spirit will show you things. Man, what happened with Elisha isn't abnormal. This ought to be the normal Christian life. It ought to be natural. It ought to be normal that God speaks to you and tells you things. And yet most Christians, this is just off of our radar. We think, oh, that's a little weird. Maybe you full-time preachers, maybe the clergy, but us laity, we can't do that. This is normal Christianity. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He'll lead you into all truth. He'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever He's spoken to you, John 14, 26. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Most people search their little brain up here and they say, I know all things. I couldn't even find my glasses yesterday and they were on top of my head. And they say, I just don't understand the Bible. It isn't talking about your peanut brain up here, but in the spirit, you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. And you do know all things. It's in here, but you got to first of all, believe it and begin to start walking in it. So Elisha, as an Old Testament man who didn't have near what we have, did these things. We ought to expect this. And when the king of Syria heard about it, he says in verse 13, he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city uh, both with horses and chariots and his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? That's just old English for he panicked. <laughs> what are we going to do? And look at Elisha here. He answered, fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. You know, people will hear things like that and they'll get fired up. And again, they'll get excited and say, oh, praise God, God's with us. But then they don't understand it. And when they look out there and they see the armies, I mean, you could count the Syrians by 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. There was thousands of Syrians. And then you look over and you go, one, two, Elisha and his servant. You know, it preaches good to say, praise God, the Lord is with us. And people get all fired up. But then they go home and they look and they think, there's only two of me and there's thousands of them. And if people don't understand, they will let what they see and what goes on in their brain override what God has spoken to their heart. And let me just say this. There's a lot of people that don't believe anything is real that you can't prove in a test tube. They believe that if it's really real, then there has to be tangible, physical proof. And they're always trying to come up with some tangible proof so that they can make people believe. 
You know, I've got a friend of mine, or not a friend, but a person I've met and a guy who lives in the Colorado Springs area who went on these expeditions and actually walked inside Noah's Ark. They found it. They brought back a piece of wood. They tested it and he's put out a documentary about it and he's tried to make people believe that Noah's Ark really exists. I believe it exists. I don't have any problems with him in there, but you know what? That's not going to make anybody believe in God. There are people that try and prove this and prove that and all of these things. The Bible shows us that even when Lazarus was raised from the dead, some of the people were there and saw him come out of the tomb after being dead for four days. And it said he was wrapped hand and foot with grave clothes. That means that he had bandages wrapped around him. It was impossible for him to walk. They didn't wrap his legs individually. They wrapped them together. He came out and stood at the entrance to the cave. So not only was he raised from the dead, but he was translated to the entrance of the cave. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And people saw that and they took counsel how they could kill Lazarus and Jesus. <laughs> we have the example where the rich man went to hell and he asked for water to cool his tongue and, they, and Abram said, nope, you can't do it. And he says, well, then send Lazarus back and let him go and Tell my brothers, lest they come into this terrible place. And he says, they have Moses and the prophet. Listen to them. And he said, oh, they won't listen to the word. But if somebody rose from the dead, they would believe. And he said, nope, if they won't hear the word, they will not believe. Though one rose from the dead. That's what the Bible says. You aren't going to prove, you aren't going to make anybody do anything. The Lord says in... uh, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please him. Did you know God could force people to believe? He could have a bird come land on everybody's shoulder and say, your name is, and tell them their name and, and speak something to them. He could have a dog walk up and bark out all of the instructions that you need. He did it with Balaam's donkey. He could, he could write your name on a cloud. He could speak to you in an audible voice. He could force people. You know, Jesus, all he had to do was resurrect from the dead and just float over Jerusalem. Every person in Jerusalem had seen him crucified. And all he had to do was just appear in the sky and show people that he was alive. Man, they'd have all hit their knees. You know, if I'd have been Jesus, the first person I'd have appeared to wouldn't have been a woman, Mary Magdalene, who had had seven demons cast out of her. I'd have appeared to Pilate. I'd have shook his bed and I'd have woke him up and I'd have said, are your hands clean now, Pilate? I'd have gone to those soldiers who blindfolded me and then spit in my face and smoked me and said, prophesy if you're the Christ. And I said, let me tell you something. Amen. I'd have read their mail. And yet the Bible, Jesus never appeared to a single person who wasn't already a believer. He never appeared to one unbeliever. He never showed himself to an unbeliever. See, again, we would make people believe. That is not the nature of God. When Jesus came to the earth, Jesus came as a baby, born to poor parents. And you know who he announced it to? Not to the Caesar, not to Herod. He announced it to shepherds. Jesus said in John chapter, or Matthew chapter 11, I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. God, some of you will struggle with this. God is awesome. He is absolutely awesome. But His nature is a meek, lowly God. He is not going to force any person to believe anything. He will not make a person bow down to Him until 
final judgment and all he's going to do is just enforce the choices that you've made. God isn't going to force people. He doesn't make things happen. And people are always trying to find up. They, they believe that the only thing that's real is this natural realm. And they have to have some physical, tangible proof that is going to make people believe. You have to believe with your heart. Romans chapter 11 says, with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six and faith comes out of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. If you are predisposed to not believe in anything you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, you could see a person raised from the dead and you won't believe it. I've seen people raised from the dead. The very first person I saw raised from the dead. I went home that night thinking, did I really see that? And I'm the one that prayed for him. I went back to the church service and did you know it bombed? I didn't minister good. I saw a man raised from the dead and I got up and ministered and it wasn't very good. And I went home kind of discouraged after seeing a man raised from the dead. You know what? If you're in the flesh, it doesn't matter what happens. You aren't going to believe. Belief is, you have to choose to believe. My point is, see, that there, here was the physical realm. And in the physical realm, which most people are limited to, you are bound to it. You can't believe that anything exists that you can't see. You're going by sight. You're trying to figure God out with your brain instead of figuring Him out with your heart. I'm not saying that following God is senseless. That's not true. It is great wisdom, but it's just different than this natural wisdom. For instance, when God says, give and it shall be given unto you. That doesn't make any sense to your natural mind. If you need $1,000 and if you've only got 900, natural wisdom would tell you, don't give away anything you've got. You're short. You need everything you've got. But God's wisdom would say, man, you ought to give a minimum of $90 of that 900. And if you do that, God will bless you back and you'll have more. The natural mind say, no, you'll have less. 900 minus 90 is only $810. But in God's economy, 900 minus 90 equals 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. I don't know how it works, but it works. And it makes perfect sense once you understand that I factor God into this. I get God's ability in it. And it's like taking five loaves and two fish. You give it to God and it'll feed a multitude. You do it by yourself and it'll feed one little kid. But see, people that are trying to figure this out with just their brain, they'll never get this. And so people who are locked into the natural would look at this example and say, you know what? Elisha lied. And this is what a lot of people think faith is. They think faith is just faking it. Faith is saying something is so when it really isn't so. But if you will say it so and believe it, then it'll become so. You might not phrase it that way, but did you know that's what most Christians believe that faith is? Most Christians believe that when you say, I believe I'm healed. You don't really believe you're healed, but you think if you say that you believe you're healed, then it'll become true. And I can prove that because I have people come to me all of the time that I try and get them to believe that they receive. The Bible says in Romans, I mean in um, 
Mark chapter 11, verse 24, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall, future tense, have them. But you got to believe you've had it now and then future tense. It doesn't matter if it's one minute or one hour or one day, you shall in the future see it. But you got to believe you receive when you pray. And so there's people that will say, all right, I believe I'm healed. And then they'll run to a doctor to see if they're healed. You didn't really believe that you were healed or you wouldn't have to go to the doctor to find out if you're healed. (laughs) Isn't that exciting? I can tell some of you were really blessed by that. Well, I mean, I'm just checking to see if God did it. You got to believe that you receive and then it shall come to pass. If you really, you know why I don't go to the doctor and get checked up for everything? Because I don't believe I'm sick. If you're going to the doctor and having him give you pills and do stuff, it's because you believe you're sick. Amen. Are you saying I shouldn't go to the, I'm not against doctors. If it hadn't been for doctors, all the Christians would have been dead because they, they hadn't been believing God. I'm not against doctors, but man, they're overworked. Let them deal with the people that don't know how to believe God. I have people come all the time and say, should I take this medicine? I said, well, what do you believe? And I, they'll say, well, what would you do? And I say, well, I can't really tell you what I'd do because your faith may not be where I am. But you know why I don't take that medication? Because I don't believe I'm sick. I'm not against veterinarians, but I wouldn't take my dog to a vet. Some of you, well, why wouldn't you? Because I don't have a dog. <laughs> but you know what? If you've got a dog, maybe you need to take him to the vet. Well, do you go to the doctor? No, because I don't believe I'm sick. Even when I have pains and things that make me sometimes wonder about, you know, I just believe I'm well. And so I act like I believe it. But see, most people, they will say I'm healed, but they don't believe it. And they're waiting on the doctor to tell them that they're healed. They're waiting on all of their pain to be gone before, because they just don't believe that anything is real that nothing exists if you can't prove it in the physical realm. And even though our faith is supposed to eventually produce tangible results, I'm not saying that we just get into the realm where we just say things and nothing ever matches up. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you have to believe that it happened when you can't prove it before you will see it proved. Most people want to say that they believe and then when they prove it, that's when they believe it. Most people, when the doctor says you're well, when your bank account is now full, when all of these things in the natural line up, then is when they get excited. If that's you, you weren't really in faith. When you're really in faith, you will rejoice when you believe it more than when you see it. You can actually get to a place that seeing it is not that big of a deal. You know, I heard a testimony about a woman had a big old goiter on her neck and she got prayer at a conference for healing. And so she got up and testified to the entire conference that Jesus healed me tonight of this goiter. And people understand that when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, Mark chapter 11, it took about 24 hours for what he spoke to come into visible manifestation. And so people will give you a little bit of time. 
And so even though they could still see this goiter, everybody praised God and agreed with her that she was healed. But then the next year she came back and she stood up and she says, tonight is the one year anniversary of Jesus healing me of a goiter. And she still had this huge goiter. And people were confused thinking, oh man, this woman's testified that she's healed. And and it's obvious that she's not healed, but they kind of gave her grace and let it go. The next year she came back and she says, tonight's the two year anniversary of when Jesus healed my goiter. And she still had this huge goiter. And so as a result, people got talking and they went to the leaders of the conference and they said, you need to tell this woman to sit down. She cannot testify that Jesus healed her when it's obvious that she wasn't healed. And so the leaders of that thing went to her and told her, he says, you have to shut up. You cannot get up and testify anymore because it's obvious that you aren't healed. And so she got into her, you know, into her room and she was praying and she says, Jesus, I know you healed me. I believe I received, this is two years ago tonight that you healed me, but these people can't believe it if they can't see it. Would you please take that thing away so that they could believe that you healed me. And in the morning she got up and the goiter was gone. And she got up and she says, I told you I was healed. Amen. <laughs> you can get to a place where you believe something so strong that when you see it is not when you get excited. You believe it so much that your faith is the evidence. You know, when we believe for the building we've got, it was, it was a miracle. I could go into a lot of time, but it was a miracle that we got into that building. I put tape on the floor. I walked, I prayed. I would act like a wall was there and I'd open the door that wasn't there and I'd step in and I stood on a platform and I preached to nothing. But I saw that place full. I saw it done. I saw it debt free. And I got so excited by faith preaching to nobody in that auditorium because I saw it by faith. I would just shout and praise God. And when we actually moved into that auditorium and people could see it and it was debt free and it was a miracle, I had people come and they were just beside themselves. They were jumping up and down and they said, aren't you excited? And I mean, I was just like this. I'm just about the same all the time. I don't, this is as excited as I get. Amen. (laughs) Don't you do that. And so, uh, So anyway, they were saying, aren't you excited? And I said, yeah, but you know what? I was excited when I saw it by faith. Now that I can see it with my eyes, it's no big deal. I was ready to go on to the next thing. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you, it's just like I'm speaking a different language. This is just all over your head. But you can get to where you walk by faith and faith is more believable than sight. You get to where you know that there is a spiritual world. According to the word of God, we got angels in this room. We got demons in this room. There are, there are spiritual things going on. And some of you think, oh man, there isn't anything in here. I can't see a thing. Just because you can't perceive it with your little peanut brain does not mean it's not here. There are television signals in this room. And if you say, no, there aren't, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. It just means that you aren't real smart. There are television signals in here. You put a television set up here and turn it on, tune it in. That set doesn't originate the signals. All it does is take what is already here. You just can't perceive it, but it's here and it rebroadcasts it. There are spiritual things going on and most people can't believe that anything is happening until somebody screams or shouts or gives a message in tongue or you have a goosebump go up and down your spine or somebody falls out on the floor and flops around like a fish or there has to be some physical manifestation or they want to have gold dust. 
I had a person come one time and says, look at this coal dust on my Bible. And they opened it up and I went like, (laughs) didn't go over very well. The Bible says that God's always with us. And when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. A lot of people, that doesn't mean a thing to them. But if they had gold does come, or if they had a cloud come into the room. Some of you thought you saw the glory cloud of God and you just needed glasses. Amen. (laughs) But they're always looking. Did you know Jesus had the Shekinah glory of God come when he was on the Mount of Transfigurations, but only three of his disciples saw it. Jesus never had a glory cloud in his meeting. Jesus never had gold dust in his meeting. Jesus never had feathers fall in his meeting. And I, you know what? I just don't really care to have anything but what Jesus had. I'd settle for his meetings, amen. I don't need anything special. But people are always, they're, they're just carnal. They got to have something in the natural. They got to have, they got to see something, do something. Those people would look at Elisha and say, you lied. You said that there's more with us than those with them. So you're one of these guys. You're the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it type of guy. You just say that it's so when it's really not so. And if you'll say it, it'll become so. If that's what you think is going on, Satan will steal these truths that I've spoken from you because you're going to think, well, it's really not so, but I'm going to say that I've got the power that raised God from the dead. But eventually what you see and feel will trumpet and you'll back off from this because you don't understand. But when Elisha said that there were more with him than there was with the enemy, he was correct. And this servant, I'm sure this servant probably looked at him like, you've been writing the Bible too long. Amen. He just probably thought, you know what? You've missed it. You've lost it. You aren't facing reality. Can't you tell that there are tens of thousands of Syrians out here? And look what Elisha did in verse um, 17. It says, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now he wasn't talking about his physical eyes. His physical eyes were wide open. They were as big as saucers looking at all of the Syrians out there. He wasn't talking about his physical eyes. He's talking about the eyes of his heart. He was talking about faith. Paul said this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, while we look at the things that are not seen. Because things that are seen are temporal. But things that cannot be seen are eternal. Paul says, I'm looking at things that can't be seen. Most people think, you're crazy. If you can't see it, you can't see it. How can you see it if you can't see it? You see with your heart. And then he goes on to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 and he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. A Christian should be able to perceive things with your heart better than you can perceive them with your sight and with your hearing and with your feel. And yet very few Christians live at that level. Most Christians... You know what the word says. You may even feel in your heart like God spoke something to you, but the banker says this. Your checkbook says this. The news broadcast said this. The doctor said this. And most people will let those physical, natural things trump what they feel in their heart all of the time. I can guarantee you every person in here at some time or another has faced some kind of a decision 
And in your heart, you felt like this is what I feel like I should do, but it didn't make sense. It didn't look right. You got counsel. Everybody advised you to follow this other path. And so you do it. And as soon as you do it, it's wrong. And I bet you every person in here sometime or another said, I knew I shouldn't have done that. How did you know it? You didn't know it by any logic. It just was something in your heart. God speaks to you in your heart constantly. If you're his sheep, John chapter 10 says his sheep hear his voice. You do hear the voice of God. God speaks to you every moment. There has never been a problem, a decision in your life that God hadn't spoke to you and told you what to do. But most of the time we overrule it. We trump it with logic. The scripture says, lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways. Most of us lean to our own understanding. We figure things out on our own instead of following our heart. God does speak to you. There is reality. So Paul said, we're looking at things that can't be seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Elisha did. And so Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open up the young man's eyes. And all of a sudden, this isn't talking about his physical eyes, but the eyes of his heart opened up. And it says right here in the 17th verse, the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, there were, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Guess what? When Elisha said, there's more with us than there are with them. He was not saying something that wasn't so trying to make it become so. He was telling the truth. It is absolutely true that there were more with him. There were the angels of God surrounding them, but they weren't in the natural realm. They were in the spiritual realm. You couldn't see them with your physical eyes. You couldn't hear them with your ears, but they were there. Elisha had seen the angels of God, the horses and the chariots of fire in the second chapter when when the horse and chariot came down and picked Elijah up into heaven and he was translated into heaven. He had seen it. And he experienced the power of God. He didn't see it this time. There's no indication that he saw these things. He didn't need to see it. If you believe it, you know, I don't know how to say this because again, I'm talking to people that most of this is kind of new. And most people can't understand this. But once you get into faith and once you perceive something in your heart by faith, that is more real to you than the physical things. And once you get, you don't need the physical things. You know, I had an experience where at one of our Bible college campus days, uh, we had an auditorium with about two, three hundred people in it. There was a center aisle like this. I was sitting right there where my chair is in this thing. And over here, there were two double doors that were on these openers that when you open the doors, you know, they'd open and then they'd just close real slowly. And we got into a time of worship where it was just really powerful. And I mean, people were just worshiping God. Jamie was up there playing the piano and singing hallelujah. And it was really powerful. And I was standing there and I was worshiping God. And in my heart, I had my eyes closed. I didn't see this with my physical eyes, but in my heart, I saw Jesus just opened up those double doors, just bam, like this. They just flew open. And then he stepped in and stood in front of those doors and those doors just closed behind him real slowly. And then he walked over and there were two ladies from our Chicago Bible school. And he walked over and just touched one on the head. And I mean, she fell flat on her face like this, spread eagle, 
just laid out on the ground, worshiping God. And then there was two people and he skipped over them and he walked up to another woman and touched her and she hit her knees and just lifted her hands and started praising God. And what I was seeing on the inside was so real to me that I opened up my physical eyes to see if I could see it. And the moment I opened my eyes, matter of fact, I think it was David said you were there or who was it saw this? I I just learned that when I told this story not long ago. But the moment I opened up my eyes, I looked and those two doors just went wham like that and flew open. And then they just slowly closed. And then this first woman that I'd seen in my heart, she just fell flat on her face like this with her arms out, worshiping the Lord. And then two people down, the other woman hit her knees and lifted her hands. And everything I had seen in my heart, I was seeing in the natural, but it was actually better in the spiritual because I could see Jesus. When I opened up my eyes, I couldn't see anything in the spirit realm. All I could see what was happening in the natural realm. I saw the doors open, but I didn't see Jesus. I saw the woman hit the ground, but I didn't see Jesus touch her. And you know what happened? You know what I did after that? I closed my eyes because I could see better with my heart than I could see with my physical eyes. And I saw the Lord come over and he stood and spoke to me. And then I saw him walk down the aisle and start touching people. And after the service was over, I went up to the people that I saw in my heart and I heard what the Lord had said to them. And I went up and I said, what happened to you during that time? And they started telling me and they, they told me exactly what I heard in my heart and what I'd seen. And you know what? I got to where I, I could, in that instance, I'm not always like this. I'm still in process. I hadn't arrived, but I've left. But I can tell you that you can get to where you're walking by faith, to where faith is more real to you than the natural. And again, I know that this is just absolutely off the charts to the average person. And you think you're weird. This is what the Bible's talking about when it says we walk by faith and not by sight. This is what God created us to be. This is what Elisha did. Elisha had thousands and thousands of enemy troops come against him. He didn't deny that they were there. He didn't say there aren't any enemy troops. See, this is what some people think faith is too. The doctor will tell you you're sick. You'll say, no, I'm not sick. That's a lie. Amen. You are sick. You got something wrong with you. It's just that there is also a spiritual truth that by his stripes you were healed. And that's a greater truth than the physical thing. I'm not saying that you deny the physical realm exists. Elisha didn't deny that the Syrians were there. He just said that the power that was in the spiritual realm was greater than the power that's in the natural realm. I'm not denying that I've had things come against me. I'm not denying that I have problems. I'm just denying that that's all there is. There is also a spiritual realm and there's a spiritual me. And in the spiritual realm, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And it's more than enough to overcome whatever problem has come against me. I'm not denying the physical realm. I'm just denying that the physical realm is all that there is. There is also a spiritual world. And there is a spiritual world on the inside of you. You may feel pain in your body, but that doesn't mean you don't have the resurrection life of God on the inside of you. And you just have to renew your mind and get to where you walk by faith instead of by sight. You know, this is how God created man to be in the first place. I'm saying so much here. I'm just going to have to start quoting scriptures. You'll have to get the tape, go look it up because I've got, I've got to hurry along. But 
When he created Adam and Eve, he created us with with six senses, not just five senses. We have what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Everybody's aware of that. But you know what we used to operate in? I believe God created man to operate with six senses. Their sixth sense was faith. I believe that they saw things in the spiritual realm. They could perceive the presence of God. They could know things that are in the spiritual realm. And if, if you've ever studied the Bible, I could spend hours here showing you that there are things going on behind the scenes. Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10, this battle going on between the prince of Persia and Gabriel and on and on. There's just so many things in scripture that shows that there are spiritual things. It says many of us have entertained angels unaware. Angels are around about us constantly. Matter of fact, the New Testament says what we have is superior to what any Old Testament saint had. And if Elisha had thousands of angels surrounding him, then I've got more than thousands surrounding me. And you've got more than thousands surrounding you. And you add all of the people in here and all of our angels together, this place is crowded. There's spiritual beings in this room. And just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they don't exist. The scripture proves that there is a spiritual reality. And I believe that Adam and Eve were able to perceive this. I believe Adam and Eve could see into the spirit and perceive spiritual things. I don't know this for sure. I'll present this as andeology. But when it says they heard the voice of the Lord God, it doesn't necessarily mean they heard it with their physical ears. I've heard God speak to me by faith. God has told me specific words. God has told me people's names before. And I've called out. I've walked up. I didn't just say that there's somebody here named Mary. But I've walked up to people before and said, Your name is, and this is what you have wrong with you. And I didn't hear it with my physical ears. I heard it with my heart. If I can hear the voice of God now, I believe that Adam and Eve used to be able to hear the voice of God. I don't know that it was with their physical ears. It might've been in their heart. When they saw the Lord, I'm not sure that they saw him with their physical eyes. As a matter of fact, if you were to turn over to Genesis chapter three, it shows the temptation in verses one through six. And the first thing that happened after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, it says in Genesis three, seven, that the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked. think. What does this mean? Does this mean that prior to them eating that fruit, they had walked around with their eyes closed? That couldn't be because in the sixth verse, it says when they saw the tree, that it was good for food and a tree to be desired to make one wise. They had their eyes open. When it says that their eyes were open, this isn't talking about that they had been walking around with their eyes closed prior to this but they had been walking by faith. This is the way that God created man to be is to walk by faith. They could see and perceive things. And think of this, when they sinned, do you know what the first reality that hit them was? They were naked. And some people think, well, prior to this time, they were clothed in the robe of righteousness. They had the glory of God round about them. You can spiritualize that. You can make analogies and do anything you want to. But in Genesis chapter 2, I believe it's verse 25, it says the man and his wife were both naked. They were butt naked before they sinned. And they were naked after they sinned. 
It's not that their robe, their spiritual robe fell off. You know what? They were so God conscious. They were so dominated by faith that they hadn't even noticed that the other one was naked. Again, this is just off the charts for most people. You can't live that way. That's because we don't live that way and we just can't imagine. But the scripture account shows us that they were walking by faith and that all of a sudden their eyes were open. That doesn't mean their physical eyes. You know what it's talking about. They had been walking by faith and that's what was dominating them. But when they became carnal and disobeyed God, their spiritual eyes closed. They lost their spiritual perception and all of a sudden here they were left with nothing but the physical realm. They were like us now. And all of a sudden they realized I'm naked. They had been naked before, but they didn't really notice it. They weren't self-centered. They were so God-centered. They were so God-conscious. They had never noticed that they weren't clothed. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being so God conscious that you get up and you're just praising God and you, you didn't even look to see if you put your clothes on? <laughs> and let me just put a little PS here. Even if you become that spiritual, have mercy on all the rest of us that aren't that spiritual. Amen. And please put clothes on. I'm not telling you to go around without clothes, but I'm just saying that Adam and Eve were so God conscious, they didn't even know they were naked until they sinned and their spiritual eyes closed and their physical eyes opened up. You know what happened in 2 Kings chapter 6 was the reverse of this. Their descendant, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, was generation after generation after generation removed from Adam and Eve. And they had been born carnal. Born only going by what they can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. It's like, you know, our appendix, whatever function that used to serve, it just is basically useless now. Nobody knows exactly what an appendix used to do, but we were born with it. It had a function and a purpose, and it's just over the generations ceased to perform that function. Well, likewise, we were born with a sixth sense of faith, and we were able to walk by faith. But over the generations, people just became carnal to where they're dominated, and if they can't feel it, If they can't see it, well, then it's not real. But the scripture reveals that there's lots of things real that you can't see and feel. And when Elisha prayed that Gehazi's eyes would open up, Gehazi was walking only by sight. And what happened, his physical eyes weren't open. It was the eyes of his heart. And he saw by faith into the spiritual realm. And then the New Testament uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's not the abnormal thing. This is the way that a Christian should live. We should get to where we walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm not talking about just sitting there and closing your physical eyes and just imagining whatever you want and believe anything that you want. This is how you see into the spiritual realm. John 6.63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is a perfect representation of what's going on in the spirit realm. You can't just sit down on your own and make up whatever you believe is happening. Man, Satan can prey on that. Satan can take it and do bad things. But you go to this word and if this word says 
In Ephesians 1, 3, I'm already blessed. He hath blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Then just understand that this isn't talking about necessarily that you can feel it in your hands. You may not have a doctor confirm it. The banker may not tell you that you've already got everything that you need, but God is saying you've already got it. It's on the inside of you. It's in the spiritual realm. And you through the word can see that. And you ought to get to a place that when somebody says, how are you? Instead of saying, oh, I hurt. I still got this pain. I still got the tumor. I've still got the problem. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. Instead of telling us what the five senses say, you know what you ought to do? You ought to recognize you're a new creature in Christ. And when somebody says, how are you? You say, well, let me look right here uh, in the spirit. Oh, (laughs) I'm blessed. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. If people ask me how I am, I tell them I'm blessed. And I've actually had students leave school before because they said, you won't tell the truth. They've seen me have problems. They've seen things come up and they think you're just saying that you're blessed. Well, it just depends on what you believe is true. I'm not denying that I have problems in the natural, but you know what? I am blessed. Even if I'm experiencing problems in the natural, I am blessed in the spiritual. And it just depends who you think the real you is. There's some people who say, well, I wouldn't be a hypocrite. I'm not going to sit here and confess that I'm healed when any idiot can tell that I'm sick. I'm still running a fever. I'm green looking. I've got this tumor or whatever. I'm just going to tell you the truth. It just depends what you think is the real you. Do you think that physical body is the real you? It's part of you. I'm not denying that it exists, but you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And in the spirit... You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So if you're saying, I'm just going to tell you the truth. The truth is I hurt. Then you've got an identity crisis. You think that that physical body is the real you. It's the house you live in. It's the thing that you, it's the vehicle you get around in. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. This isn't Christian science. I believe that this physical body exists. I believe that we have problems. I'm not denying that, but I'm saying that this is not all there is to me. I'm also a brand new person. And in Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is... So are we. And it didn't say, so are we going to be in the sweet by and by when we all get to heaven. It says, so are we in this world. Now see, a lot of people, they just, they just uh, disconnect right there. They think, as Jesus is, so am I. And they go look in the mirror. And they say, this, this can't be like Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have wrinkles. Jesus wouldn't have zits. They search their emotions. And they think Jesus would never be discouraged. Jesus would never have fear. And they, they, that's what most people only believe that it is. They just believe that they're a body and a soul. And if they can't perceive it in your emotions or in some physical, tangible feeling, then they think, well, the Bible is so hard to understand. It says, as Jesus is, that's the way I am. But it, it's obvious. Anybody can tell I'm not like Jesus. And they just say, I can't believe it. But you know what? There is a third part of you, the spirit man, And that spirit man is the new creature 
And as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Your spirit right now is as holy, as pure, as righteous as Jesus. It's got the same power that Jesus has seated at the right hand to God the Father. It has the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16, Colossians 3.10, 1 Peter 2.20, and on and on I could go. All, you've already got all of these things. Your spirit's perfect. One third of your salvation is over. Your spirit is as perfect right this moment as it'll be one million years from tonight in eternity. When you get to heaven, you aren't going to get a new spirit. Your spirit's not going to have to grow up and mature. It's not going to have to be washed off, cleansed, given a new dose of the Holy Ghost, recreated, nothing. Your spirit right now is as perfect as Jesus is. It's as pure as it will ever be. The rest of the Christian life is educating your little brain to what has already taken place in your spirit. And then your three parts, spirit, soul, and body. You get your mind in agreement with your spirit, and that's two against one. And your physical body will all of a sudden experience divine health. It'll experience joy and peace. It'll experience whatever you need. In your spirit, you're already perfect. But if your mind's over here and you say, but I hurt. But the banker said this. The doctor said this. It's obvious. I even look sick. I feel bad. If your mind goes with what it feels instead of what the Word of God says, that's two against one. And you can shut off the flow of God's power just as surely as a a water faucet. You can turn that valve. And even though you've got water and pressure, water pressure in those lines, not a drip will come out if you turn that thing. And your mind is the valve. Whatever you focus on, whatever you believe, determines what's going to come out of you. And if your mind is in agreement with the natural and saying, well, I don't care what Andrew Womack says. I don't care. I'm hurting. I'm sick. I am sick. I've had people fight me. I don't care what you say. I'm sick. And they're fighting to be sick. I'm not denying that they're sick. I'm just saying that's not all that there is. If you're born again, you also have the life of God on the inside of you. And if you could believe that you are healed before there is the physical proof, then you will, shall receive. It will come into the physical realm. But you got to believe that you receive when you pray and then you shall, future tense, have it. Mark eleven twenty four. And it's amazing how many people can't do that because they don't understand that there is a spiritual world. They don't understand that there's a part of you that is spiritual and it's not physical. They can't believe that nothing, they they can't believe that anything is happening beyond what their little peanut brain can perceive. I'm telling you, a person who is not acknowledging the spirit on the inside of you, the spiritual realm out here, And they think that all reality is, is what can be proven in a test tube. You're only playing with half a deck. You don't have a full deck. You are not understanding what's going on. And this is where the vast majority of Christians live. So I say all of these things tonight to say that when the Bible says that you're blessed with all spiritual blessings, there's going to be a tendency for you to want some physical evidence. All right, God, prove it to me. I need a thousand dollars. I need my house paid off. I need this. And until I see it, I will not believe. You'll never see it. God's not like that. That's not the way that the Lord is. 
The Lord gives plenty of proof, but you know what? It takes faith. Man, Ashley and Carly have seen their daughter raised from the deathbed, just hours away from being dead. Three and a half years old in nine-month-old clothes. Just barely alive. Hair falling out. Skin translucent. The doctors gave up hope. She was just supernaturally raised up and alive. And yet there's people that know that story, that have seen them, have seen Hannah, and they don't believe. There's proof enough for anybody who wants to believe. But you know what? There's people that if you saw somebody raised from the dead, you'd think, I wonder if they were really dead. Maybe they were just in a comatose state. Well, if they were in a comatose state, well, that's still pretty good to get them all of a sudden up and running around the room. Amen. I mean, how big of a miracle do you have to have? But your mind will always explain something away. You, if, you have a, if you have a propensity to disbelieve, and I'm not going to believe until I can see it, you'll never believe. God has proven himself to you in your heart. You know, the Bible says in... Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. There is no speech nor language that hasn't heard this. That speech has gone forth into all of the earth. God is screaming at us. You know, we took a walk today and I see in chrysanthemums that are pretty much over now, but beautiful flowers and stuff. Did you know that mankind... You could pool every scientist, all of the resources of man, and they could create something that looks like a chrysanthemum. They could make it the same color. It could feel the same. But you know what? It'll never reproduce. It'll never produce a baby chrysanthemum. It'll never produce. One blade of grass that man can make something that'll look like it, artificial turf, but it'll never reproduce. It'll never grow. And yet some people, I just can't believe that there's a God. Why doesn't God prove himself? Every blade of grass is screaming out, there's got to be a creator. Every blade of grass. We saw houses today. Million, two million dollar houses. What would happen if I was walking through the desert and I was looking for somebody to help me? I was about to die and I come upon... A house, a $2 million house. And if I just looked at that and thought, I wonder if that evolved. That doesn't prove that anybody is around here. And so I just think, well, maybe it's just circumstance. You'd look at me and think you're absolutely stupid. If we went to the moon and found a movie theater on the moon and people playing, you'd say, somebody's been here. And yet we see all of this creation that man can't do one thing. They can't make one blade of grass. They can't make one flower. They can't make one tree. They can't create anything that's alive. And we see all of this life and all of these miracles and people say, well, if there's a God, prove it to me. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Man, God is screaming out. But you know what? People harden their heart. It's convenient to believe that we evolved from slime. It's convenient because you know what? If that's true, well, then you can live like a dog and you don't ever have to give an account of what you've done. People want to believe that. 
There isn't any proof for it. People will say, oh, evolution's been proven. Not a single thing has been proven. There are actually thousands of scientists, many of them non-Christians, who have rejected evolution because the facts aren't there. It cannot be proven. They tested a living mollusk and it was proven to be dead for 5,000 years with carbon-14 dating. Anyway, my point is, you know what? People just choose to disbelieve the truth. A friend of mine was talking about, he grew up in LA and when he was about 11 or 12 years old, he climbed up on a hill overlooking LA and he was just sitting there looking at these vast numbers of people. And then it got sunset. And as the sun went down, lights began to come on and he saw all of these lights coming on all over LA. And he, he got to thinking, he says, you know, that's amazing. Some person had to put every one of those lights there. They had to put a pole there. They had to wire it. And he was looking at all of these lights and thinking, look what men have done. Every light, it didn't just happen. It was put there by some person. It doesn't happen naturally. And he was looking at all of that. And then he said, he just raised his eyes and saw all of the millions of stars. And he thought, well, if these lights had to be put there, they didn't just happen. How could these just happen And he had a revelation that there's got to be a God. That's an 11-year-old boy. And yet we got PhDs today that look at that and think, oh, this proves there is no God. You could have 32 degrees and still be frozen. I'm telling you that God is screaming at us. God is speaking, but you're going to have to open up your heart and go with what is revealed in your heart. The Bible's not written to your head. It's written to your heart. And if you would open up your heart and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me. You can start walking by faith and not by sight. You can begin to recognize that, you know what? My physical body yet hasn't proven that I'm healed, but I know I'm healed. I've seen it in the word. By his stripes, I'm healed. I believe I've got the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. And I know that I know that I know. And you can get to a place to where you aren't really concerned about it. God, take this thing away for the people who don't believe so that they could see that it works. And it'll be to where I don't have to have you do this to prove it to me. I've already seen it in the word. But I want to manifest it to show other people the glory of God. You can get to where you're living more by faith than you are by sight. And what I'm talking about is not the exception. It may be the exception according to most people's experience, but this is normal Christianity. This is the way that God created us to live. This is the way it's supposed to be. And brothers and sisters, we have, I believe in evolution. I just don't believe we've evolved up from a piece of slime to this complex being. I believe we started off awesome and we have evolved down. (laughs) That we are just a fraction of what God created us to be. And most of us are walking like mere men and women. And because we don't feel a tingling in our hand, well then how how can God flow through me? I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. You're just carnal. Man, we can live better than that. 
We can do better than that. And it's the only way I know to get to this place where you're walking by faith and not by sight is through the Word. When you read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit enlightens it to you, all of a sudden it's like your spiritual inside. You begin to see things differently. You perceive things differently than you do with your own natural thinking. You begin to have perception. I've been dreaming about things for 40 years that you know what? Now they're all coming to pass. Things are happening. But I saw things 40 something years ago that are just now happening. And people think, how did you do that? God, every one of us are like that. You've got dreams in your heart. God is prompting every one of you. God is speaking to you every moment of every day, trying to get you to walk by faith and not by sight. And most of us just dismiss this as, oh, I don't want to be silly. I don't want to sit here and be foolish. And so we just go with conventional wisdom. We follow everybody else. They say there's a recession. And I know that the Bible says God's going to supply my need according to his riches and glory. But the guy on television said this, and we overrule what we feel in our heart, what the word of God says to us. I'm telling you that you aren't going to see this supernatural power that I've been describing manifest in your life until you get to where the Word of God is more real to you than what the papers have to say, than what somebody else has to say. Where you believe the Word and you can get to where you are so into that that it is more real to you than anything that you feel. That can happen. And that's the way it should happen. And when you do that, you'll cross a barrier. I remember... In 1976, that I had prayed for people. I had seen some people's blind eyes open, but I was as shocked as anybody else when their eyes opened. It just shocked me. I mean, an old blind squirrel will get a nut every once in a while if he keeps trying. And I just had prayed for so many people. I saw some people healed accidentally. But you know what? In 1976, I remember we were in Childress, Texas, And things began to start fitting together and all of a sudden I knew that I had passed into where I was walking by faith and not by sight. I don't know how to tell you that. I just knew it. I knew it in my knower. And I knew that things were true. And I started walking by faith. And I'm doing it more all of the time. I'm not saying that I do it uh, all of the time or as consistently as I should, but I'm saying that you will pass a place where all of a sudden you realize that you aren't like you were before, that you've got new access. You've got a spiritual being part of you that is real. And you can get to where you start walking in the spirit and you know things by the spirit and you just know it. And because of that, the physical realm will bow to the spirit realm. The spirit realm created this physical realm. Everything physical in this world was created by an invisible force. It says in Hebrews, we see that things that are made were not made of things which do appear. They were made of things, but they weren't tangible things, physical things. Spiritual things created this physical world. The parent force is greater than the force it created. The spiritual realm is more powerful and more real than the physical realm. The spiritual you is the real you. And the realities about you in the spirit are more real than the realities about you in the physical. I'm not denying that the physical exists. I'm just saying that the spiritual you is more powerful. And if you were to get your mind renewed to where you could really believe 
that what is the Bible says is true in the spirit. And if your mind, if you could believe that and focus on it, then it'll automatically come to pass in your body. It just has to happen. Isn't that simple? I know I've gone a long time. Let me give you one last story and I'll quit. There was a woman who was uh, legally blind and she was a pastor's wife and she just about uh, had given up on being healed. And they had a healing evangelist come to her church and um, she didn't want him to pray for her because she'd been prayed for so many times she didn't want to be disappointed. And so she tried to avoid him. And this guy finally just cornered her and says, I want to pray for your eyes. Her eyes were, she was legally blind. She had to wear glasses that were like the bottom of Coke bottles looking through it. And so he had her take off her glasses and then he prayed for her. And after he got through praying, he says, now can you see? So she started to open her eyes. And when she started to open her eyes, he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes real quick. And wondered, what's he talking about? He asked me if I could see. So he asked again. He says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes real quick. Thought, how am I going to tell if I can see? And so he said the third time, he says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he says, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. Shut your eyes. You got to see yourself seeing on the inside before you can see it. On the outside, he says, can you see yourself in your heart seeing? And see, this is the problem. Most people, when they've been sick a long time, it's not just their body that's sick, their mind's sick. They dream sick. They think sick. They plan sick. They plan their daily activities around, I can't go do this. If somebody asks them, you want to go walk, I I can't walk. And you plan, you see yourself, you think sick. And you know what? You've got to see it on the inside. It's got to start in the spirit before it manifests itself on the outside. And there's lots of people that come for prayer that they see themselves sick. They don't see anything change. They're hoping that it'll change. They're wishing and hoping and praying and they're hoping that you can pray. And if something happens, well, then they'll accept it. But they don't see themselves well. They expect I've even had people before receive prayer and nothing happened. They walked away and says, well, I didn't think anything would happen. (laughs) And they wonder why nothing happened. (laughs) You've got to get to where you see yourself healed. See yourself prosperous. See your dreams and visions coming to pass. You've got to get to where faith is more real to you than the physical, tangible things that you're dealing with. Before I saw people raised from the dead, I dreamed about, I studied the word and I got to where I was raising dozens of people from the dead every night in my dreams. And then I saw it happen on the outside. Before I saw people blind eyes open, I started seeing it. You got to see it on the inside and most people don't do this. They operate carnally. They are going totally by their senses, but they're hoping to get something different than what they think and feel on the inside. It's not going to work that way. You're going to have to learn to walk by faith and then the physical realm will catch up. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if that helps you, but that has revolutionized my life. It's changed my life. And let me just say that if there's anybody here who has not been born again, if you haven't been changed in your heart, then all you can see is the demonic side of the spiritual realm. 
Because it's only through Jesus. No man can come unto the Father except through Jesus. If you haven't been born again, then the only spirit you can get into is the demonic realm. You can operate in demonic power and you can be depressed and oppressed and fearful and all of these things. But you can't walk in the fullness of God's spirit until first of all you be born again. That's more than just going to church. That's being changed on the inside. You've got to have Jesus living on the inside of you. If you've never experienced that, you can experience it tonight by just simply believing that Jesus has already forgiven your sins and making Him your Lord. Bowing the knee and say, I make you my Lord. I yield to you. I make you my master. And if you will really do that and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. And then once people get saved, Jesus told his disciples, don't tell anybody, don't go anywhere, don't preach the gospel until you receive power from on high. When you get born again is when you get this life on the inside of you, but the Holy Spirit is what releases it. Jesus never did a single miracle, never ministered, never did anything until the Holy Spirit came upon him. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, who do you think you are that you can minister without the Holy Spirit, that you can live without it? You must receive the Holy Spirit. And in the Bible, when they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. Speaking in tongues is powerful. And again, the natural mind just goes tilt like this is silly. I don't even understand what I'm saying. That's the reason it's so powerful. Speaking in tongues makes you go beyond your logic. And it pushes you into faith. I can guarantee you, if you are a person that has to figure it all out and understand everything, you will not speak in tongues very long because it does not make sense. It is out of your heart. It says when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, not your brain. And most of us have spent an entire life trying to control everything and never say anything that would embarrass us or be foolish. And we've got all of these uh, barriers and, and uh, things that we've erected in our mind. And when you speak in tongues, you just break all of those things and start going beyond yourself. And it's just like flipping a switch. You go into the spirit realm when you start speaking in tongues and powerful things happen. You need this gift of speaking in tongues. I can guarantee you, you cannot operate in what I talked about tonight without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. You cannot retain what I've even talked about. You'll lose it. You won't understand this. It takes the Spirit to reveal this to you. So you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues. It is the doorway into the godly spiritual realm. So is there anybody here tonight who would say, I need one or both of those. I either need to make Jesus my Lord or I've already been born again, but I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and we'll pray with you so, and you can receive. Here's somebody back here. There's a couple of people back here in the back. Anybody else? Just be bold. Here's somebody right here. We've already had, I don't know, 250 people or 20 people that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you know, I know that there's new people here tonight. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to have your hand up in the air. Somebody says, but uh, we don't do that in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. But I do it. I have people all the time that say, man, I want the results that you're getting. And then I tell you what it is that causes me to get this results. The power of the Holy Spirit. And they say, oh, I don't want that. If you like the fruit, you're going to have to accept the root that produced it. I'm telling you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
is essential. You don't have to have it to go to heaven, but you have to have it to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in this life. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? We want to pray with you and help you to receive right now. Just come forward and stand right here in front of me. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Father. Well, we've had hundreds of people come and receive this just during these three days. This is not only going to change you individually, but you know what? It's going to give you power so that you could start living a supernatural life beyond your own ability. You can know things that you can't know in just yourself. You can have peace. It passes understanding when there's no reason for you to have peace. You can have supernatural peace because the Holy Spirit will give it to you. Man, powerful things are going to happen. I believe this is going to change your life. Isn't this good? Yes. Awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God for thee. Thank you, Jesus. All right, before I can pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit, you can't receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit in the gift of speaking in tongues until, first of all, you're born again. If I pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, and if Jesus isn't your personal Savior, then you won't get it. Because the Bible says Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody here who isn't sure whether or not you're born again. And you need to pray first of all to make sure that Jesus is your Lord. Is there anybody up here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Anybody? Here's a few right here. Praise God. Man, this is going to be awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one down here. Praise the Lord. Are the rest of you sure? I'm not trying to talk you out of your faith, but you know, there's just a lot of people today that think, well, I go to church. Doesn't that make me a Christian? Sitting in a church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage and make you a car. Amen. If you're a car, you need to get into a garage for your own protection. If you're a Christian, you need to go to church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's all about your personal relationship with Jesus. Is there anybody else who's not sure and you want to pray and make sure that Jesus is your Lord? Anybody else? Did you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. So this is about, I think, six people. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to say what the Bible says you need to say in order to be born again. It says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... That's more than just saying that word. It means you're turning your life over to him. You're making him your master. That's not a promise that you'll never sin because you can't keep that. But it is a promise that I want you to control my life. And he'll have mercy on you, but you have to be willing to turn your life over and literally trust him for everything. So if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to say what you need to say. And if you will repeat these words and mean it from your heart, then I believe you'll be totally changed on the inside and you'll become a new person in the spirit. Isn't that awesome? Is that a good deal? 
You don't have to wonder, will Jesus forgive me? He's already forgiven you. He's already paid for your sins. Now it's just a matter of will you accept His payment or are you going to try and save yourself? Man, you make Jesus your Savior and I guarantee you He'll come into your life. So I'd like you to repeat after me. I'd like everybody in here to repeat this so that they won't feel like we're listening to them. And if you'll pray this prayer and believe it from your heart, I believe you're going to be changed. Amen. Let's say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? Welcome to the family, brother. Awesome. Man, isn't that awesome? Welcome. Man, we had a couple of young ones here get born again. Isn't this great that you're finding the Lord early? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And this illustrates what I was preaching tonight. Did you know that this is still a boy right here? And was there a lady down here that got born again? She's still a woman. Did you know their physical body didn't change? Their mind didn't change. They still have the same thoughts, the same personality. But according to the word, in your spirit, you are completely different. There's something that happened. This isn't just on paper that when you go to heaven, you're saved. Right now, you are a totally brand new person on the inside. And you'll spend the rest of your life figuring out what happened to you in the spirit and trying to change your thinking and change your actions. But you're a brand new person right now. And according to the scripture, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. And so you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God created you to put his Holy Spirit in. That's what you were, these people that just got born again. In your spirit, God wants to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that's so important is that's what he created you for. So you don't have to wonder, will he do it? That's what you were made for. He wants you to have it. Some people will tell you that you got to be holy. You can't have any sin in your life before you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you got problems in your life, if you aren't doing everything right, don't worry about it. God's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you power now to start living the way that you're supposed to. So don't let some feeling of I'm not worthy stop you. He gave a promise. He says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to ask one time. Then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and stand behind you. And they're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given to people. So you're going to ask and then They're going to lay hands on you and release this power into you. And then I want you, after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking and to take a step of faith and say, Father, I believe that I receive. Do what I was talking about tonight, whether you feel it in your physical senses or not. Use faith. Walk by faith and believe. The Word says that when you ask, you receive. So believe that God put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and start thanking Him. 
And at that time, after they lay hands on you and you start thanking the Lord that you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, at that time, I want you to lift your hands like this. Because the Bible says, when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. Man, this makes Him happy. It's just like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. This is you yielding. Father, I yield, I believe. So we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on, you're going to lift your hands and start thanking God. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to start praying in tongues because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks to God. So we're going to start thanking God in this heavenly language. And then I want you to start praying in tongues with us. And I know some of you think, I don't know how to pray in tongues. What do I do? I've got a book that will explain it. There's more than what I'm going to take time to say right now. But if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. And the number one thing that held me back, and most people I think, is people just wait on the Lord to make you talk. It's like, you know, my wife doesn't like me to use this example, but I used to think it was going to be like when you threw up that you couldn't stop it. Put your hand over your mouth and it just blurts out. Speaking in tongues isn't like that. You control it. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He gives you the utterance and you speak in tongues. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the inspiration. So you have to speak. You can't just wait on the Holy Spirit to make you speak in tongues. You have to, by faith, start making sounds. And I can promise you, once you get into it, you'll find out it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. You are speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit that's inspiring it. And it'll be supernatural. And uh, God will confirm it to you. But anyway, that's just a real brief instruction. And I believe that if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak with tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you for these that got born again tonight. We believe that in the Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We believe that you created us to fill with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we just ask for it. We now open up the doors of our heart. We open up the doors of our temple. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come into us and fill us and control us and give us your power and your gifts. We desire it. We give you permission to take control and begin to flow through us in the name of Jesus. Now we lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We loose the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow through you right now. And Father, we thank you that right now the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing into these right now in Jesus' name. Now I want you to quit asking and start thanking the Lord. Let's put your hands up and start thanking the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is true and that in the Spirit I am now filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, whether I feel anything or not, I believe your word is true. I trust you 100%. And I believe that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is now flooding through me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's start praying in tongues and thanking God. And as we speak in tongues, you speak with us. Just open up your mouth and begin to speak. If you don't know what to say, You can try and say what the person behind you is saying, but I can promise you your tongue is going to be unique to you. 
You can't say what they're saying. Yours will come out differently, but you got to start talking. Start speaking. And once it comes out differently, just keep speaking. Just let it go. And like I was saying tonight, it'll sound foolish. You don't understand what this is about, but this is the reason it's so powerful. That's the reason it's so powerful because you're getting beyond your mind. The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, it's your spirit praying. It's your spirit that's speaking. That's it. Just speak. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, your friend's speaking in tongues. You don't think God would give it to him and not to you, do you? You got it. You just need to speak. Be bold right now and speak in tongues. What the Bible says you're doing, you're praying from your spirit. You're bypassing your brain. You're bypassing your confusion, your doubt, and your fear. And you're speaking out of this spirit that according to the Bible has the mind of Christ. And it knows all things. And you're speaking tremendous hidden wisdom. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. You got to talk. You got to say something. That's it. Just speak out to the Lord. You're speaking in a language that doesn't have the limitations of English. It doesn't have your doubt and fears. Man, you're speaking faith. It's like flipping a switch on the inside. It makes the power of God begin to work on the inside of you. Just be bold right now. Worship God. You may not know what you're saying. You may not even feel anything, but I guarantee you the the Holy Spirit is interceding through you and saying things that your heart has wanted to say for a long time. Man, God inhabits the praises of His people. You're giving thanks. You're praising God. God's pleased with this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can't speak in English and tongues at the same time. You're going to have to speak in a different language. Amen. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what? It's important that you understand what has happened to you tonight. And I can guarantee you there's not a person up here that fully understands what God did for you tonight. You may have felt blessed. You may be encouraged and excited, but there is more going on than what you know. This is the second most important thing that could ever happen to you. Beyond being born again, the second most important thing is getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This has given you the same power that the apostles operated in, that Jesus operated in, and it's opening up a brand new realm to you. But you've got to understand it to be able to get the full benefit. And I have written a book that takes everything I know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it put it in this book. If you didn't speak in tongues tonight, I still believe that God gave you the Holy Spirit because I received the Holy Spirit three and a half years before I spoke in tongues. But it was because I was a Baptist and I had been taught that this was of the devil and I was so afraid of it that I just wouldn't let it come out. I was waiting on something and I had... 
fears that were stopping the power of God. But I've got my questions answered. I've written it in a book. And I spoke in tongues years later. It doesn't have to take you years. I've written it in a book. And if, if you didn't speak in tongues tonight, you can read this book. And then you can just get before God and you can speak in tongues. Somebody says, does everybody have to speak in tongues? It's like a pair of tennis shoes. When you get them, they all come with tongues. Amen. <laughs> yes, you got the gift of tongues and you can speak in it. And this book, I'll help you and explain things. So if you would, I'd like you to follow Ashley. He's a man right here with his hand up. And he's going to take you to a room, give you a book, because we want you to make sure you understand. And also, if any of you need prayer, if you need any help at all, they will help you. There's people there. We just want this to be an important thing in your life. Amen. So let's praise God for these as they go and follow Ashley over there. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, this is well over 250 people that came forward and prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, there was only 120 people. And look what they did. If we would take what has happened and use it to its full benefit, I guarantee you we could change the New England area. This is more than they started the church with on the day of Pentecost. Man, what a great, what a great potential. I believe this is going to change the lives of these people. Again, I want to thank all of these prayer ministers. These people came early. They went through a training. They have been here before the service. And after the service, the Burks here came from Florida up here to be with us. We've got uh, Julia someplace. I don't know where she is, but she came from Colorado. And we've got people that come at their own expense. Some of these live in this area, but we've got people that they do this because they just love helping you get a breakthrough. And tonight's our last night to be able to, uh, to minister to you. So I offer all of our prayer ministers here uh, to you to help you pray. If tonight your faith has been quickened, if you can believe that you receive when you pray and then you shall, future tense, feel it, see it, hear it. But now you understand that. You can receive a deliverance tonight that maybe you've prayed before, but you didn't pray with this understanding. And this could make a big difference in the way that you receive. So if there's anybody here that would like prayer, if you're ready to believe God for a miracle, I want to ask you to come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you and agree with you. And we're going to believe God for those things that are happening in the spiritual realm to manifest themselves in the physical realm. Amen. If you want prayer, just come forward. We've got ushers standing at the aisles and they're going to direct you towards people so that everybody won't just get on one side. It'll help the flow of this. I encourage you to take uh, advantage of that. Participate. The rest of you are welcome to stay and pray with us. We've been praying and seeing miracles happen. I call out things through the gifts of the Spirit and we see a lot of people heal. But if you need to leave, you're welcome to leave. Thank you for coming. Don't forget that we have CDs and DVDs of all five sessions already duplicated out there. They're out there on the table. You can get them. And we have all of our other materials. Also, don't forget about 
the uh, opening rally in Gardner tomorrow at 3 o'clock. If any of you want to go check out our Gardner school, that's at 3 o'clock tomorrow. There are maps out there. We have a school opening in Plymouth. You can go talk to George and Judy about that. Uh, we have just a lot of things. Please take advantage of all of those things before you leave. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we pray for all of these. We thank you, Father, that just like I was speaking tonight, that you've already provided everything. It's in the spiritual realm. Father, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead indwells us. Father, I believe that we have angels by the thousands in this place to deliver us from all of the oppression of the devil, to break all of these sicknesses and diseases. Father, we thank you that your power is more than enough, more than enough to deal with any situation that is here. Father, we thank you for that. And we believe that right now that power is coming out of the spiritual realm and manifesting itself in the physical realm. We break demonic power. We command deafness to leave, blindness to leave, spirits of infirmity to leave, epilepsy to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus. We break these demonic strongholds right now in Jesus' name and command you to flee and to leave these people. In the name of Jesus. Father, we loose all of your power, all of your angels, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us who shall be heirs of salvation. We loose your power in here, Father, to flow and to touch people's lives. Thank you, Jesus. We loose the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is speaking to me right now that He is touching many of you and many of you tonight recognize that God has spoken things to you. Some of the things that you've been seeing and perceiving in your heart, tonight you recognize that that's God and you've just been doubting and wondering and you've been waiting on something tangible to prove it. But the Holy Spirit has been bearing witness with what I've said tonight and there are some of you here tonight that are saying, I knew this but I wasn't operating in it. I wasn't bold with it. God has spoken to me. God has shown me things that he wants to do in my life and I haven't, I haven't acted on it. I believe God has spoken to some of you and tonight it's just like something that was in your head dropped into your heart and now you know it. You need to seal that. You need to just say that, you know what, from now on, I'm gonna walk by the Spirit. I'm not going to walk in the flesh. I'm not going to wait on five prophecies and two goosebumps to confirm it. I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. I know in my heart what God has said. And from this time on, I'm acting on it. There are some of you in here that that's what God is speaking to you. That's in my words, but that's what God is speaking to you. If that's you and if you're saying that's me, I haven't been acting on it. I have... Let unbelief and fears hold me back. But tonight I'm making a commitment. I know what God's will is and I'm going to act on it. If that's you, I want you to stand up. If you're already standing, I want you to raise your hand so that I can see who this is. I'm going to lead you in just a prayer of commitment 
to follow the leading of God and not lean under your own understanding, but follow the Holy Spirit. I believe that this is going to be a turning point in your life. I really believe that God's going to make a huge difference. You'll look back at this date, August the 14th, 2010, and you'll say, boy, God did something in my life. I'm never going to get over this. Amen. I refer back to March the 23rd, 1968. Some of you are going to be talking about August the 14th, 2010. If the Lord tarries, you'll be talking about how God opened up your eyes. Father, I thank you for these. I thank you for speaking to them. I know that your Holy Spirit has touched their heart, that you have opened up their eyes tonight, the eyes of their heart. They've seen some things. Father, they've taken a step over into faith and out of just carnality. Father, I know that you've spoken this to them. I believe that you quickened that to me and they are standing now to make a profession that, Father, we are committing ourselves to these things that we've known in our heart, but we have not acted on. Right now, Father, we just make a commitment and say that we're going to follow this. We still need explanation. We need you to show us how to do it, but it is now confirmed in our heart that you are speaking to us and leading us. And we say in the name of Jesus, we will head that direction. As you give us light and understanding we are going to move in this direction and act on what we know to be true in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says, I believe it's 2 Timothy 1.12, that he is faithful and just to keep that which we commit. No committing, no keeping. But Father, we make a commitment tonight. And I believe that you're going to keep us to it. You're going to remind us of this. You're going to bring our hearts back to this point. You aren't going to let us stray from this. Father, we welcome you to keep us on track, to hold us to it, to help us keep this commitment. And Father, we thank you for it. We agree and we receive it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You believe that? Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe it's going to change your life. You know, I'm also hesitant to say this because some of you will think that this is for a selfish motive, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. I believe that this is the Holy Spirit, that there are some of you that have been praying about Bible college and you know in your heart that that's what God told you to do, but your head, you just can't figure out how this is going to work. And you know what? God spoke to some of you and you just need to follow it. You may have 10 steps in between you and getting there, but if you feel that, that this is something God spoke to you. You need to head in that direction. You need to start making plans and say, no longer is it a question of, am I going to do it? It's just a matter of how am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? But you will obey God. I I tell you, that's a word from the Lord and it's not self-serving. I'm just telling you that that's what the Lord is saying to some of you here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive all of these miracles. Thank you for touching lives in here tonight. Thank you for transforming people. Jesus. Father, we just agree and we thank you for all of these healings tonight. Thank you that people are set free. Father, I thank you that the Word of God is going to change our hearts. And Father, we aren't going to have to have somebody else always pray for us, but we receive this truth. We believe that we've already got it. That you have placed on the inside of us the same power that raised Christ from the dead and praise God from now on, we are going to overcome. Thank you, Jesus. We just agree and we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to let you go tonight. Thanks for coming. I believe that this has been a supernatural conference. I believe that God has spoken to people. I believe that lives are changed. And I encourage you, you need to get these CDs or DVDs so that you can listen to this again. You didn't get everything I said. It just takes a while for this to soak in. Our hearts get kind of hardened like a sponge and you just have to submerge it for a while and let it soak in. And so this would be really good to be able to go over this teaching again. And also it's a great way to share this with somebody else. It's one thing to say, man, God spoke to me. I saw some things, but it's another thing to take these CDs or DVDs and say, let me share with you. You know, you can go on the internet and you can actually look up this conference and you can download this free off of the internet and you can watch this conference as, you know, as often as you'd like through the internet. So I'm not just trying to encourage it for sales sake. I'm just trying to say that you need to get into the word of God and you need to have these truths fresh in your life. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. It's been an awesome conference. I believe you're never going to be the same. Praise the Lord.